Gutner Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. This is Parshas Chaye Sora, and in Chaye Sora we deal with a topic that has been spoken a lot about, particularly this week after the elections down south, and people are looking at particular candidates, and there is a line that many people are thinking about, and some even say, uh, Mitt Romney said the following about Donald Trump. He says, it's like the aging pitcher he, who keeps losing games. If we want to win, we need a different pitcher on the mound. And I know there's some fans that love him, but it's time to get off the mound because we have a real strong bench. Now, I'm not getting into the politics. I'm not getting into whether Trump would be good or not. But there's this idea when you're getting old, we got to take you off the bench. You got to get on the bench and get off the mound. Uh, There's also kinds of pressures on Biden. Who knows what's going to be. The Speaker of the House, who's I think 84, who's no longer going to return the Speaker. There's all this talk of getting rid of the old people and move on with the young people. And the truth is, you know, what what is to be said about aging? And certainly members in our shul are getting older. How do we feel about this? What should be our view of it? And even younger people should start thinking about aging so when they get to that point to know if they will be able to have a happy age, old age. So let's take a look at a midrash on this week's parsha on the pasuk. It says, "Vavraham zok zokain bobayomim," and Avram was old, coming in days. And the midrash points out that Avram asked for signs of old age. Avram Vino was the first person in the history of the world to get old, and the midrash says he in fact asked to show his age. Until Avram Avinu, there was no such thing as a person getting older and a father and son could walk together in a new place and they wouldn't know who to give more honor and respect. And uh, and, and they said in, in, in our world, we have many cases where fathers and sons look alike, but it's very obvious as to whom the father is and whom the son is. <laughs> Nowadays, the individual who's white around the waist and white in the beard and the head the one with more wrinkles on his skin, well, he's the father. That's nowadays. But in the old days, Avram and Yitzchak had a problem. They looked alike and they both had black beards and their skin was the same. So Avram says, we got to make a difference. So Hashem said, okay, very good idea. We'll start with you. And from the beginning of the Torah until Parshish Chayasura, the Torah does not use the word zikna, old age, until the Parsha where we read, and Avram was old. Okay, this request for old age and God's agreement that it was a good idea, interestingly enough, runs counter to the mindset that we have today. Today, people do not want to get old. They don't want to look old. People spend billions of dollars in order to remain and to look young. They use facelifts, cosmetic surgery, Grecian formula, Botox injections, People spend a lot of money in order to not look old. And this has crept into even the observant circles as well. But it's so interesting as we look 
in our, in our rich history, there were certain great teachers in our tradition, such as people we call the altar from Slabatka, the altar from Kelm, which literally means the old man from Slabatka or the old man from Kelm. And that was never understood as a pejorative or a derogatory term. On the contrary, this used to be a badge of honor. And in Eretz Yisrael, where these individuals are referred to by a Hebrew rather than a Yiddish title, they are uh, not referred to as... In Eretz Yisrael, they're not referred to as Hazaken Mislabatka or Hazaken Mikelm, but rather referred to as the Hasaba means Slabatka, the grandfather from Slabatka, not the old man of Slabatka. Why? Because it's even because even today, Zikna, old, is something to be embarrassed about. So the question I want to open up is, what is the deeper message of Avram's request for Zikna? It's obvious that this was not merely a practical matter of trying to identify who is the father and who is the son. It could have been a much simpler idea to have them wear name tags. The father could have had the name Avram embroidered on his shirt and the son could have a matching shirt with the name Yitzchak embroidered upon it. Problem solved. However, Avram said, no, I want to be old. I want to look like an old man. And Hashem says it's a great idea. So now we have to understand what has happened between the time of Avram Avinu and our day and age. Now, I don't know historically when this focus on youth began, whether it's a 20th century phenomenon or a 19th century innovation. I'm not sure when it started, but that is certainly the mindset today. People do not want to be old and they don't want to look old. So let me share with you an insight from Shinshim Pincus. He says like this, if a person has had an accomplished life and can look back proudly at his years, He's not upset at the fact that his future may be limited. A person can look back at what he has accomplished. He can be proud of it. On the other hand, if people look back on their lives and do not have so much to show for them, the only thing that consoles them is the future that lies ahead of them. If you're, let's say, 30 years old and you have a good 40, 50, 60 years ahead of you, then you have no problem with that. However, someone who is 60 or 70 years old knows that he's already lived most of his life, or as they say, we're well into the back nine of the golf course. And such people could face a reality that I don't got much time left. And a person may want to delude himself to think I'm still young, I still have a long time ahead of me. I, what about the fact that I go to the mirror in the morning and I see that I'm not so young? Well, there's a way of getting around that. Cosmetic surgery. There's hair coloring, facelifts. I want to be young or I want to look young. I want to feel young. Why? Because I want to tell myself that the future still stretches in front of me. 
Says Rav Pincus, when people live empty lives, they don't want to get old, look old, or feel old. Avram Avinu had no problem with this. Avram was bob by your meme. He made good use of every single day. He looks back at this point in his history and says, yes, I know most of my life is over, but that does not upset me because I have what to show for it. Therefore, zikna, old age, is a badge of honor to wear. It says, I am old, but look what I have done. Therefore, Avram asked for zikna, old age. It's only when a person cannot be proud of the past and his whole mindset is, there's still a future, that he needs this charade, that he still has a long and glorious future ahead of him, even though chronologically that may not be the case. Okay, that's a very nice idea, but now that leads us to the next question. But what do you do if you are already advanced in years and you do not have that many accomplishments to be proud of? Well, let's look at another idea. We know Pirkei Yavu says that Avon had 10 tests and virtually all the opinions say that the 10th and final test was Akedis Yitzchak at last week's Parsha. Except for one commentary, Rabbeinu Yonah, he's unique. He says Akedis Yitzchak was the ninth test and the 10th test was the burial of Sarah. We've talked about uh, this in the past. Why is that a test? But let's share with you Rabbeinu Yonah's idea. And he says like this. He says that the test was to see whether Avram, who had been previously promised by God decades earlier, the entire land of Canaan would belong to him. Would he complain that God's promise was not fulfilled? Because even buying a burial plot for his wife turned out to be a difficult task. That's how Rabbeinion explains. But there's an obvious question on Rabbeinion's answer. Granted, it was upsetting for Avram that he had a problem when it came to buying a burial plot for Sarah. But how could that be any kind of a test after Akedis Yitzchak? After being willing to sacrifice your own son, how could this even be counted in the same league? This does not seem to fit in with the pattern of the other tests which get progressively more difficult until Akedis Yitzchak, which is seemingly the most difficult. This is the problem with Rabbeinu And some suggest the following. They say there's a tendency among human beings to feel at a certain point in their lives, I've done my part and I've paid my dues and leave me alone. Now here we have Avram realizes that the troubles he's had over his lifetime, he understands that God's been testing him the whole life. Finally, he comes to the ultimate test where God says, now I know that you did not refuse your one and only son from me. And Avram could have argued at that point, fine, I fulfilled my obligations. At this point, God comes along with another test. When Rebbein explains that Avram did not question God here, part of the emphasis is he didn't say to God, leave me alone already. Haven't I done enough for you? But he didn't. He said, okay, you're still testing me. What's the message? There's no stage in a person's life 
when it comes to Avodah HaKodesh, that you could say enough. When it comes to business and earning a livelihood, there comes a time when a person can say, I put in my 40 years, give me my gold watch, give me my pension and leave me alone. I've had enough headaches. That's in Parnos. In Avodah Hashem, in serving Hashem, there's no such thing. The Nisayon never ends. When a person is called upon, no matter at what stage in life, no matter what age in life, he's obliged to keep on going. And this is the lesson of the test of the burial of Sarah, that even after the Akedus Yitzchak, when a person can rightfully think, I've done my part, still there are no ends. You've got to keep going. You know, Rav Breuer, Zichronel of Racha, spent his first 60 years of his life leading a kehillah in Germany, putting in his years. Then he has to go to America. He comes to a new country with a new language and a new surrounding, and he starts all over to build what eventually has become one of the most beautiful Jewish communities in the world, in New York. What if Rav Breuer would have said, I'm 60 years already, I've done enough, let somebody else do it. How many times in communal work have we heard this complaint? I've done my part. Let someone else do it now. What if Rev Breuer would have taken that attitude? We wouldn't have such a beautiful community in New York. In Avodah Hashem, there's no golden years of retirement. Every day is a new test. As the Mishnah Perkeva says, Lakach no tsarta. This is what you are created for. That's why we're here. So therefore, what do we see? That regardless, if you haven't, if you don't have that much to look forward to back in your life, there's still time to accomplish. Or as Rabbi Yonah says in his Shar Tshuva, he says one of the great gifts of aging is to know that time is running out and you're getting a heads up that if you still want to do something, there's time to do it. It's never too late. And those who have accomplished a lot can say, you know what? Just because I'm older doesn't mean I can't continue. Now we have, we have to change the types of things that we do. You know, we're coming up to the yard side of, of Paul Reichman, Moshe Reichman, one of the greatest businessmen in the history of the world. And what did he do when he finally retired from Olympia, New York? After all those years of incredible business. What did he do? Went back to his first love in life that he had when he was much younger. Much younger in Tangiers. To go back and study Torah. And he would study Torah for hours and hours and hours. A man like that who gave so much tzedakah in his life, so much accomplishment in life, still said, if I still have years, let me move on. And for the last eight or nine years of his life, he just was learning Torah and advising people and helping people. We have to realize as we get older, why is Hashem having us live longer? If not that there's still much more to accomplish, we have to look forward 
Look forward to aging and aging with dignity. Now, of course, you know, maybe for Shalom bias issues, maybe women want to look younger, so that it works better in the Shalom bias area. Okay, you, you, you could understand that. Of course, there's an issue to stay healthy. But let's take that gift of zikna. And those of you who are young, they say, that's not Nogea for me. Sure it is. It's very relevant, even if you're 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, because it's going to be a day when you're going to be 60, 70, 80, and 90. And then the way you lived when you were younger will be the way you will be able to accept and enjoy the older age, knowing you've accomplished a lot. So, although in the political world, people are going to debate if you're too old and we take you out to pasture, in the Jewish world, you're never too old, you never go out to pasture until you breathe your last. Let me share with you a story regarding the life of Rav Hirsch Rimenover. There once was a chassid from a neighboring town who came to Rav Hirsch Rimenover and he begged him to somehow pray so that his father-in-law would die. <laughs> Rav Hirsch said, what? What are you talking about? Well, my father-in-law is very old, already more than a hundred years, said the chassid. And he has to be watched over all the time. He can't really do much for himself and he's miserable most of the time. He doesn't learn and doesn't daven anymore. He's had enough of life already, but he keeps hanging on day after day, week after week, year after year. So please, I'm pray that he should die already. Now, Hirsch didn't really know what to say, but he reasoned that a Yid who lived, and this was years ago to live over 100, that was amazing. He reasoned that a Yid who lived to such an age must have some kind of merit and he commanded the chassid to bring in the old man to speak with him. And the chassid protested, saying that his father was too old and too feeble. But Hirsch wouldn't relent. He says, bring him in anyway. So they pick up the old man and brought him to Rimenov. They carried him on a bed and placed him in front of Hirsch. Hirsch began to ask him questions. And he soon found out that the old man had been a simple, boorish Jew. He had been what we call a balagola, a wagon driver, all his life. He davened in the morning, but his real interest was to get to breakfast. He went to shul on Shabbos, but the chulant was his goal. And Reverse peppered him with more questions to find out from the old Jew if he can remember any reason that might account for his many years. Maybe there was some special mitzvah he did once or some experience. Maybe he had been to a tzaddik on some special occasion or something. Then the old Jew recalled once there were some Avrechim, young married fellows who had asked him to take them for Shabbos to a town about a half day's journey away called Lezhensk. And they pleaded with me, but I didn't want to go, said the Jew. I told them that I like Shabbos at home with my bed and my cholent but they promised me a good wage and the same food that I would eat at home and then some. So I finally agreed and we set off. We got there not long before Shabbos and they set me up in a nice hotel. And sure enough, right after davening, they showed up with a great meal, everything just as I like it. They came back a little while later and they asked me if I want to go to some kind of a gathering. 
was a Frembrangian, right? But I told him I didn't want, I didn't come for that kind of thing. And let me sleep. So being decent guys, they let me sleep. In the morning after davening, they again brought me a good meal with a chulant. Even better than what I would get at home, I ate my fill and went to sleep. And when I got up from my nap, it was close to dark and nobody was around. I waited a while, but none of my passengers showed their faces, even though Shabbos was over. So I went to look for them, and I came to the shul, and I heard the loudest singing and the wildest dancing you could imagine. It sounded like they were all shikar, plastered. I peeked inside, and there were empty bottles on the table, and these guys were singing and dancing like crazy. When I went in, I saw that they were in a circle, and they were all dancing around with one of them in the middle. He must have been the chief shikar or something because he was tall and his face was red like fire. He was dancing with his eyes closed and they were all singing and dancing around. Boy, this guy has the wrong impression of what Shalosh uh, is in the dark is. At this point, Reverse stopped the old man and said, oh, now I understand. The tall one in the middle with the red face on fire was none other than Rebel Melech of Lishinsk. And he explained that there's a well, very well known, there's a Messiah, that anybody who ever saw or even just glimpsed at the face of Rabbi Elimelech would not be able to leave the world until he had done Shuva. So then Rav Hirsch turns towards the old man and started to explain to him in a gentle fatherly way how Hashem created the world and how everything in it was put there for our benefit. He described the beauty of the creation, how every aspect of it is perfect, existing total together in a total harmony. Then he began to explain the nature of the Jewish soul. He described how every Jew is like one is Shema, and we only are separated by the physical bodies that we bear. Later, he gave us the Torah and its mitzvahs with specific instructions for serving Hashem and understanding his will. And the old Jew sat and listened, but didn't say anything. So if Hirsch continued, he began to describe how we were given the Shabbos to further bring ourselves closer to Hashem. We welcome the Shabbos and Hashem comes to us and, so to speak, sits at our table with us sharing our food and company. He was getting to the old man's soul. At this point, the old Jew turned his head and stared dreamily out the window. A moment passed. He let out a deep sigh and reversed Rimanov, who was a coin, quickly ordered all the Quran to immediately leave the room because they can't come in contact with the dead. The old man, the old Jew, heaved one more sigh of remorseful repentance and left this world for a world to come. You can see in old age, old age is a blessing, old age is a challenge. Those of us who are very young, you have a lot of time to prepare and use it wisely. Those of us who are older, some of us can look back on a mission accomplished very well and to be encouraged by Avram and say, 
but we can keep on going. There's no retirement. And those who may be looking back and might be feeling there's not that much success as they might have wanted, guess what? There is still time. There is still time to get closer to Hashem and to paraphrase a credit card statement that I think is very apropos for us. Tshuva, don't leave the world without it. May Hashem give us brachas on this Shabbos to be inspired by our elderly patriarchs who did not waste any time. And starting this Friday, we have very long Shabbosim and we finish eating very early and maybe like the wagon driver, we might just decide to pack it in for the night. But what a waste. God gives us all this time. So I'm starting this Friday, Amir Tzashem, tomorrow night. We're going to give a, a class on the Parsha with a Hasidic slant for men and women, which will be at the Kolel separate room in 601 Clark Avenue West from 8 to 9. To really make use of our Shabbos. To, we have a beautiful Kabbalah Shabbos. We welcome everybody to come to that. If you live in the area of 601 Clark to come for that. In the morning we have a class. There's so much that we can do as we are getting older. But we could feel instead of running to have to make ourselves look younger. We can get ourselves younger by using our minds. Getting closer to Hashem's Torah. And to know as we're getting closer and closer to that great rendezvous with Hashem. There should be more excitement in our life. And as they say, you finish a race strong and proud and carry that, that symbol of zikna with pride as our patriarchs did with simcha and joy. Amen. See you on Shabbos.